Welcome to the Dishonor Society podcast, where we show you the world through our eyes to anxious Asian American teens. Our niche is that we have none, but listen to us as we try to make our way through the world and try to survive high school. I'm Amanda. I'm Kusu. And we're your hosts. So for this episode, we thought we'd talk about the beauty industry and how it intersects with gender, race, and other identities. Yeah, definitely. I think it's important to recognize that no matter how supportive the beauty industries or certain beauty companies might be during certain months or dates of identity, at the end of the day, it is a business and they are trying to sell you something. And a lot of the time, the policies and the marketing decisions behind that thing that they're trying to sell you can have some adverse effects, especially when relating to gender inequality and racism. I know one example that a lot of people know from like Twitter, TikTok, whatever, is that on Pride Month, which is June, brands and companies like beyond the beauty industry, like to change their logo to, you know, represent the pride flag. And and then immediately when June 30th at 11.59 hits, they change their logos back to normal. And a lot of the time what you see is like, it's just the logo that changes. Like any other practices or issues of diversity and issues with them not supporting the LGBTQ plus community. Anytime someone calls them out, there's just radio silence. Like, they don't do anything about it to actually implement inclusive policies. It's literally just the logo that they change. And I guess that's basically what the beauty industry does as a whole. When you get called out for certain trends that seem a bit racially targeted, they release one statement on, say, Instagram or Twitter. <laughs> you know, it's the good old notes app apology. Mm-hmm. And then they don't really do much after that. And a lot of the time with, I guess, gender inequality, because a lot of the time we see the way that makeup is marketed to women versus the way it's marketed to men. A lot of the time, even though some some companies are like all about confidence and you just kind of feeling yourself a lot of the time there's all these double standards where female standards of beauty are a lot higher than certain male standards of beauty. Like, a lot of women aren't really allowed to age gracefully, and it's always they're always told that they have to cover up like their wrinkles or their gray hair, while men who might get gray hair are still seen as desirable well into like their 50s and 60s. Oh, for sure, with the whole DILFs thing. Yes. <laughs> and you see that a lot with, just to go off on a little bit of a tangent, but I see this a lot with Hollywood and the way that in romance movies they'll always cast an actor who will be maybe in his 50s, who was considerably older than the female lead, who might be like just out of college in her mid-20s, which that's definitely a huge age gap when you're casting them to be in the same stage of life, saying it's normal for both these people to technically be in their 30s, but the woman has to look like she's, you know, almost a minor, and the man has to look like he's older. And I guess on the other hand, there are those controversial student-teacher relationships. I've seen a couple YouTube essays on them. Especially with Riverdale, for example. They hire actors and actresses that are like closer in age because the women are always made to look like they're in their 20s. They could be like 40, but they're always made to look in their 20s. And they could be like 18, but they're always made to look like they're 20 or mm-hmm. something like that. There's always this desire to look one specific age and you're not once you pass that age it just goes downhill for you and i mean more than controversy it's a crime and there's a reason that it is a crime oh you're right (laughs) and a lot of female beauty standards like even apart from just like putting makeup on your face like the idea of like shaving so your entire body does not have any hair or certain like other features that people are trying to accentuate a lot of them are rooted in like 
almost pedophilic beauty standards, if that makes sense. Because if you think about For it, sure. there are no women out there who naturally have no hair unless they're literally children. It's kind of creepy. And I don't know where this counts. Because everyone has, like, body hair, no matter what they do. Yes. Like, everyone has mustache hair, too. It's always a target <laughs> when you have more prominent mustache hair. And sure, like, people shave it a lot, but why is that such a bad thing i mean it shouldn't be an issue if you want to get rid of it or if you want to keep it because ultimately your self-worth should not be tied to the way that you look anyways because like maybe you have bushier eyebrows and you might want to pluck them but just think like those eyebrows are there for a purpose they're meant to catch your sweat like they don't really right like they, it, it shouldn't define your self-worth or the way that other people judge you as worthy when men have mustaches it's like oh okay a bit <laughs> macho i guess but when women go out with mustaches they're automatically seen as really gross and i know i've seen a lot of close friends and family get bullied because they have like darker mm -hmm. mustache hair because it's like natural yes exactly we just have darker hair what's what's your problem dude yes exactly um and a lot of the time i would say with fa with like facial hair at times it does feel like minorities are targeted because um i know like indian women we have a lot of hair on our face <laughs> like that's like our right. thing and it's a lot more visible because like black hair on like you know skin it's a lot it's like more visible and it's like that's just a natural feature that we have like exactly yeah and i guess looking at those double standards with like sexism it's weird that we look at beauty in the gender binary because i know while we're punishing women for maybe having a little bit more like fuzz on their face we also punish men who might not be able to grow as substantial like a beard or a mustache which it's weird that we're defining people as, like, feminine or masculine and defining their yeah. worth based on how feminine or masculine they look. And a lot of the time it seems, especially when we look at some issues and the double standards of the beauty industry when it comes to gender inequality and also racial equality, it feels like the beauty industry is trying to thrive on controversy almost because that sells products and they're also trying to market something they can't necessarily be bought, like certain features or certain, I guess certain features is the only one I can think of, but you can't really change certain things about yourself, but they're trying to sell you this insecurity that you have to look like this one way. Since we're more versed in Asian identity and Asian issues, mm -hmm. one of the most prominent things, especially if you've been on TikTok, is calling people out for Asian fishing. Yes. Which is essentially a person who is non-Asian posing as an Asian person and just basically like it's just basically a form of mockery in a sense even if mm -hmm. they don't realize it it's kind of offensive there is this whole thing with eyeliner the fox eye trend where mm -hmm. people attribute that automatically to Asian features which is this whole double-ended sword it's like is it really Asian fishing is it really not and funny story I've been accused of Asian fishing before <laughs> I remember this story. Um, I was walking at a mall in this predominantly white town, and I had eyeliner on. It was like, it wasn't even like the really thin fox eye eyeliner that I guess could be attributed, but not really. Let me make that clear. It was very blunt, very natural. It just followed my eye shape. I was just walking around, minding my own business, and there was this group of kids. They were like, that girl is Asian fishing. She's not really Asian. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I'm walking around with my boba, with my hand fan. I'm all the stereotypes you want me to be. What do you mean I'm not Asian? 
And so I feel like that term gets thrown around a lot, especially in the beauty industry, because a lot of people tend to, I don't know, want to make their eyes look a bit slimmer, but not in a racially insensitive way. It gets thrown around and it gets used with people that it shouldn't be used with. And the people who actually are Asian fishing aren't ever Mm -hmm. really called out for it. Yes. And I mean, from my point of view, I think we should let Asian people define what Asian fishing is. Um, It almost feels like saviorism when we're allowing people who aren't Asian to call out people for not actually Asian fishing. Like, it's just creating so many problems. And it dilutes the actual meaning of Asian fishing because it is an issue. But if you're just calling out people who are actually Asian wearing eyeliner, you're not doing any good. (laughs) And when you look at these comments, like, rarely any of them are from Asian people or even people of color. Mm -hmm. It's really... (laughs) I know, it presses my buttons a bit, but I know this term has become more prominent in people's vocabulary after the rise of anime culture and K-pop culture, mm-hmm. which it's it's invading Western culture yes. at this point. Everyone's pretty much watching anime and everyone's into K-pop. It, it's unavoidable, but there are definitely a lot of people online and just even people I know personally who try to emulate these anime features they're asian people like what what are you doing (laughs) and this is another instance of people trying to sell like a whole identity like you can't buy yourself a new race or buy yourself a new identity and i suppose it's not necessarily selling insecurity to people who i suppose are white and trying to emulate people who are asian but it does have some controversy, especially when there's a double standard with the treatment of like Asian creators and Asian models in the, be- in the beauty industry, when they're told that they have to be ashamed of their features, but at the same time you're selling this feature to people who aren't actually Asian. It's almost like they prefer to see Asian features on non-Asian people. Yes. I know when we were planning this before, you brought up the idea that racial ambiguity is something yes. that's become more of a trend. Mm -hmm. So if you want to speak on that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I can't speak on it completely because I am limited in in, like my identity. I can only really speak about like the South Asian experience. (laughs) But I know there have been times where there's a lot of people who market themselves, I guess, or kind of put themselves forward as being racially ambiguous when they're not really to the point where there's actual women of color being accused of like, you know, brown face or like Asian fishing or something like that. I know um, it happened to me and my sister once as well where um we are indian we look indian we have brown skin right and people will just think that we have very aggressive tans or that we're trying to look like a person of color but it's like we we are people of color don't (laughs) like (laughs) i think they just forget that asian people are people of color at this point yes absolutely and i get that there are people out there who get very aggressive tans which other than the like you know the racial insensitivities it hurts your skin. Please don't get aggressively tanned. Like all these dermatologists will tell you not to do that. But it's just, you're not even a person of that identity calling me out. Like it's not something that you are an expert of. You're kind of just stepping into saviorism. And also my name itself, when I introduce myself to you, my name is not a Western name. Like I think from that (laughs) you can guess that I'm maybe not someone who's white and getting like an aggressive tan. Even on the other side of the globe, in eastern countries we definitely see this trend in skin whitening there's always this desire to look as pale as possible through products like papaya soap or even products that contain lead and mercury just to bleach your skin Mm -hmm. so 
basically no one's ever satisfied. <laughs> yes. And it's the same exact companies that are doing both. Because th- these companies, they're owned by parent companies that are international. So they're marketing one feature in Western countries while, say, while making people feel ashamed for that same feature in, like, other countries, basically. I've definitely grown up with, like, family that would often buy these skin whitening products and i would watch them just slowly slowly become more pale yes and to them that was what made them feel pretty to them that's what made them feel like they were like good enough i guess and i understand the want to alter your face to feel pretty i do that all the time with makeup but Mm -hmm. it's a shame that that's what it takes to reach that feeling absolutely there's definitely that difference between feeling pretty by society standards or feeling pretty because you just feel pretty and have that internal validation and definitely a lot of people have trouble working towards that I definitely had a lot of struggles working towards that but I feel like a lot of us definitely rely on these societal standards in order to reach that internal validation and I mean for me what I've experienced like a lot of the more famous Filipino actresses, especially here, or even in the Philippines, they're often mixed because they have those ambiguous features. Like, I know here we got Olivia Rodrigo. Um, Philippines, we have Liza Soberano, who's like half Italian, I believe, or German. And they're all really pretty, yeah, sure. But it's that racial ambiguity that people are really after. Like, you are Asian, but you also have those Western features that are what we feel are desirable in general. Yeah. So it's really difficult to have that, you know. And it's not really benefiting anyone because they want you to look like a person of color, but not too much like a person of color to the point that they don't want you anymore. Like, it's also like, you know, that idea of the word exotic, which I hate using that word because Uh, of all its connotations. (laughs) But it's just... Just look like yourself. Like, why are we trying to tell people to look like something that they're not? And I guess going back to the whole Asian fishing thing, like, we do want, what like, white creators and white people who are involved with the beauty industry, we do appreciate when you guys support people of color and do help us speak out, but just don't jump the gun on certain things. Like, make sure you actually understand what a term is so when you do call someone out for it, you know what you know that they are actually doing the thing that you're calling them out for and maybe actually speak with someone who is of that identity because they'll, they probably know a little bit more than you do on that. On the topic. There's definitely that fine line between cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation, which people still haven't really figured out yet. Mm-hmm. And I guess um, a common theme in our whole podcast, especially with our first episode, is if you don't know, ask. Yes. It's not going to hurt you to ask because that just shows that you're being considerate about other people's backgrounds mm-hmm. and other people's identities and cultures and yada, yada, yada. So asking for clarification allows you to learn more and correct yourself if you are ever in the wrong, which there's no shame being in the wrong. There's only shame if you actually do something bad that further perpetrates this, these racist ideals and practices. And I do have an issue with people learning about like a social issue or a social cause only from social media, because you should do your research. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. They see something in, like, the comment section of, like, TikTok or Instagram, and they think that applies Mm. to everyone in life when they really should maybe read articles or do their own research on something before 
actually taking action on a cause. And I understand that Googling things, it seems a bit daunting because you don't know where to start. It's a big issue, of course, and that's not something you can solve overnight. Mm -hmm. Even just asking people, that's a good first step. You know these people well, and they know you mean well, so just taking the initiative to ask definitely helps. Yes, absolutely. And going back to the double standard, we see a lot of people, I think, um, especially recently in the news with like last year when um, people were speaking about BLM and recently about Asian stopping Asian hate, a lot of people who are in the beauty industry who are people of color have come out talking about mistreatment, about the way that the models, certain models weren't really being hired because of their features or because they already had a model of that race. And then you see all these videos of behind the scenes photo shoots where models who are not of a certain race they will be getting tans to look of that race or they will have their they'll have eye surgery or, or have their eyes taped back instead of these companies actually hiring models of that specific race if they wanted to represent them so badly it's almost like they have like that roster of people who they expect to be there mm-hmm. and it's like adding new people to that roster you know that sense of unfamiliarity it's a bit scary for them and you mentioned <laughs> eye surgery, and I want to mention something that has been on my mind for some time now, which is essentially the extreme of <laughs> yes <laughs> of the extreme of how do I put this the extreme of adjusting yourself to suit these racial characteristics <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I don't know where to go with this um what I'm oh God. <laughs> I think I know what you're trying um, to say. Yeah. No, you know where I'm going with this. Like the trans um, racial men- movement. Oh, yes. Don't spoil it, Kusu. <laughs> God. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, I mentioned K-pop earlier for this reason and this reason only. A lot of BTS ARMY... I don't know if I'm saying that right. Sorry, guys. <laughs> A lot of BTS stands out there are familiar with this name, but definitely has been reaching a lot of controversy over the past few months. Good old Ollie London. Oh, um, and for those who <laughs> don't know who Ollie London is, they are a they are British, they are white, they are not Korean, <laughs> but they have this obsession with <laughs> cosmetic surgeries that make them look more Asian in a sense, as if being Asian is defined by having certain facial attributes. They have this obsession with looking like BTS member Jimin, which... <laughs> Okay. If Jimin, if Jimin somehow is listening to this podcast, which I know he isn't, but Jimin, get that restraining order, man. <laughs> just do it. Just, just get that restraining order. <laughs> Ollie London is someone who has this obsession with Jimin. They claim to be Jimin, yet also be married to Jimin and date a cardboard Jimin. I, I don't know. But they've done all these reconstructive surgeries with their nose, their face. They've wanted more rounder features, and most recently, I believe. They got eye surgery to not only have the stereotypical, I hate saying stereotypical, but the stereotypical Asian almond-shaped eye and the monolid, which is, like, going too far, but (laughs) apparently not for them. And immediately after this surgery, which which is rather disturbing, and by the way, if you look them up, No, they don't look like Jimin. Um, (laughs) They went on to their social medias and said, I did it. I am officially transracial. I am officially Korean. They even went as far as saying that their pronouns are Korean slash Jimin. (laughs) Oh. 
Which um, strikes a lot of chords for a lot of people. Because not only are you mocking the trans community, you're mocking the Asian community, you're mocking, you're mocking pronouns. Basically, they hit all the... <laughs> All they hit all the controversial nails on the head in yes. one 60 second video. Efficiency. <laughs> if you're gonna be offensive, I guess be efficient about it. That's <laughs> a joke. Well. Don't be offensive ever, please. It's bad. <laughs> and yeah, the thing is that they're really putting it out there. They've been on a lot of British talk shows talking about their experience of being transracial, which by the way is not a real thing. I don't wanna sound like I'm invalidating anyone, but you cannot change your race. Yes, you can, you can. <laughs> you can change where you live, which is your nationality, but you cannot change your race. No. Nope. <laughs> Ever. Mm-hmm. Basically, for me, when I first heard about this, not even being Korean, it really struck a chord with me because the whole thing, when they were talking about how they narrowed their eyes, a lot of Asian kids get bullied for that growing up and Mm -hmm. I was definitely not excluded from that where a lot of kids would walk up to them and pull their eyes back and say oh look I look like you now and Mm -hmm. so it's a bit offensive in that sense but I can only imagine what that did for the Korean community just being mocked at thinking that you could buy your way into someone else's race and identity and treating Asian identity as some sort of accessory Mm -hmm. and I'm very sorry that happened to you because you know it's definitely racist (laughs) we even have to go through why it is but i mean it's a common thing where you see a lot of like asian identities being treated as an accessory as you said earlier especially that whole thing where you're trying to sell that feature but you're not actually you're not actually supporting people who naturally have that which i do want to clarify something that we said earlier asia is like a very diverse continent there's so many people on that continent so obviously there is it's very diverse and although we can't attribute one feature to all of asia i think it's very obvious who you're trying to emulate especially when all these businesses are kind of doing these awful things and when there's some creators out there also doing these awful things and i think that actually makes it worse in a sense because we're so used to like attributing asian features you can't see my air quotes but they're there (laughs) asian features to specifically east asia it's always East Asia. It's never yes. any other region. And so it just makes a lot of people feel excluded. And so not only are you mocking these cultures, you're excluding a whole yes. large percentage of the continent. Absolutely. So it just really invalidates everyone here. And you're treating that whole area as a monolith as well, because you know, I think the big three, I would say, with East Asian countries would be like China, Japan, and Korea, if I'm not wrong. For sure. Yeah. And yeah. those cultures are very diverse as well. They're not like the same and you can't treat them as the same so exactly it's kind of weird when you're saying that entire like direction of asia is the same and that you're trying to emulate that because and also it's more harmful it's just really harmful especially when you tell people that you're asian and you're like well you don't have straight black hair you don't have really pale like mm-hmm. skin you don't have like more narrow eyes you don't have like a small nose it's just ingrained that that's the mm-hmm. norm and so when people argue that oh well you should be grateful that people want to look more Asian because mm-hmm. they're appreciating your culture. That's not a valid it's not argument, a buddy. It's not a compliment. It's really backhanded. And that's not even a valid argument because really, at the end of the day, it's just being mocked at and just mm-hmm. being treated like a culture is more of an aesthetic than it is mm-hmm. something that people practice. Yes. And a lot of the time, I know we brought this up before, where the things that we talk about this in this podcast 
they don't exist in a vacuum. They affect our everyday culture. And a lot of the way that we see certain groups of people, it's leading to like, I guess, over-sexualization of like an entire race, which does have actual effects, especially with like hate crimes that we've been seeing recently. Let's tie it back to the last episode. (laughs) And it not only just like further perpetrates all these hate crimes going on, it affects the way we grow up because tying it back to our last episode which if you haven't listened to it yet you definitely should we're always seeing asians in media as something so sexualized and i say something because they're off objectified they're never really treated as people in the past and even with the rise of anime a lot of the younger characters are often being sexualized which then leads to the sexualization of younger asian children yeah. and it just It just gets worse and worse. It's this whole downward spiral. I mean, it takes a while to improve society as a whole, like a really long time, which is definitely frustrating with a lot of social issues. (laughs) But I think where we can start is like stop assigning worth to the way that someone looks and stop treating that as a business because you really shouldn't be, I guess, selling racism, really. And also learning how to embrace your own features. There are ways to participate in these East Asian trends without Asian fishing. There are ways to participate in these western trends without you know losing sight of your culture there are many ways to achieve those aesthetics without crossing the line is what i'm trying to say yeah and on the idea of like appreciation versus appropriation i guess let's speak about korean culture right now like you can listen to like k-pop music you can watch movies because that's meant to be shared that's like media but just don't be racist about it i guess is the easiest way to do it don't get surgery about surrounding it don't magically say you identify as korean yes for no reason at all absolutely because it's great to identify with something that you really like enjoy and it's great to take pride and really Mm -hmm. learn about the culture but when you're sexualizing the culture when you're partaking in it in a way that just isn't necessarily appreciating that culture that's when you really cross the line absolutely like you know maybe learn the language or take a history class about that culture but don't don't try to be it i mean i guess like the easiest way one of the easiest ways to look at it look at appreciation being done the right way there are a lot of great small businesses out there that are owned by people of color and when there's a lot of like ethnic holidays um like i guess i know from some indian-owned businesses um for like diwali they'll have like people wearing like clothes and they'll celebrate that culture which is it being done right just don't wear it as a costume i guess right like if you go to a wedding of a culture that you're not a part of like it would be appropriate like speak to the person first but it would it might be appropriate to wear the clothing of that culture but don't wear it as a fashion statement i guess is the best way to put it i don't think beauty should have to do with like the way you look i think it should have to do with like you know your happiness if you feel good about yourself you're you're happy and healthy i mean that's like you know where the real prosperity is anyways and the way that they're framing it is that there's some people who there's a lot of people most people out there actually will never look like that one view of beauty that we see in society so why do we keep telling people to try to emulate that especially if they're not a part of the race that is seen as desirable by society well if there's one thing you could take away from this podcast episode is that basically all these beauty standards that are pushed onto us you can't achieve all of them there's just no physical way of doing any of it beauty standards are created to be unattainable that's the way that you keep buying more and more products that's the way these corporations keep making money because they don't really care about you they rely on the fact that you are insecure about your appearance and that you're more likely to root your self-worth in the way that you look instead of things that actually matter like are you happy are you healthy are you confident about your place in life which is really what we should be rooting self-worth in 
Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Dishonor Society podcast. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at the Dishonor Society podcast, and even email us in the link down below. We try to release episodes every other Monday, wherever podcasts are found, but sometimes we have an irregular uploading schedule, so keep track of our Instagram. We will be notifying you when we release new episodes. Do remember we are in our senior year of high school, so we're, we're trying our hardest. struggling. <laughs> We're trying our hardest. We just hope you enjoy today's episode and that you have a great day, night, or whatever.